Welcome to Commending and Contending, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Australia. I'm your host, Jonathan Holt. The Gospel Coalition Australia exists to assist Australian Christians to remain convinced of the truth and power of the gospel, to commend and contend for the gospel in our lives and our ministries, and to foster connection between individuals, churches and other ministries so that we can most effectively advance the gospel in Australia. Joining me today is Dominic Steele. Welcome, Dominic. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me along. Uh, be really helpful for our listeners if you could introduce yourself uh, to us. Uh, where do you live? Who's in your family? What do you do during the day? Sure. I live in the inner west of Sydney, just in Annandale, um, which is two suburbs out from the centre of Sydney, um, probably five minutes from um, the University of Sydney. Um, I, uh, I'm married to Catherine. We have three adult children. Uh, we are just on the verge of becoming empty nesters in that our youngest child and we, uh, or Kathy and I, are about to move into an apartment um, and he is about to go off on his own. Um, uh, I passed a village church in Annandale um, and, um, yeah, that's my role. Oh, look, I chair the Sydney Anglican Pastoral Ministry uh to Christians experiencing same-sex attraction and uh, gender incongruence, living faith as well, and so so I, I have a pastoral interest there. My background is in the media, um, and so I, I used to work as a radio journalist, um, so I'm familiar with microphones. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, that's what I do. And Dominic, how has God been encouraging you recently? Well, um, I, I mean, I suppose the it's seeing the progress of the gospel in individuals' lives. So we've got a baptism Sunday coming up in um, on the 24th of September. And so here is a moment to ask all the people in that we've been talking to during the year that have come along to Introducing God courses. And we run a course um, four times a year, just starting basically at the beginning of each school term. So the course, what we find is when we run a course, and I'm thinking about the course that started in January, um, the number of guests that come along and then some of them come to Christ at the end of the course, but more likely they trickle into the kingdom over the next six, nine, 12 months. And so the course we started in, in well, January, it wasn't January, it was um, beginning of the school term in February, um, had seven guests. And um, that little group has uh, stayed together and met on Monday nights. Um, the course finished. They've They've continued more or less as well, we call it knowing Jesus, but it's we put on the syllabus various um um follow-up kind of courses just for starters, that kind of thing. Um anyway, one of the guys um with baptism Sunday coming up, uh, I asked him, Are you ready to get baptized? 24th of September. How do you feel about this? We just announced it tonight. And uh he said, um, well. I'm going overseas in a week and a half, so I'll be out of the country then. But if I was in the country, I'd like to get baptised. And so just hearing, I mean, there you go. We've set up a system. Um, people have been coming along. The pipeline that's been designed has worked. Um, and people are trickling into the kingdom. And we get to rejoice like the angels in heaven. That is marvellously encouraging uh, and great to hear the the, the long, slow work uh, yeah. of drawing people uh, close and, to Jesus. And, I mean, our goal as a church, for our size church, is to see 10 adults come to faith um, each year. 
Um, and we've pretty much got there the last couple of years, you know, last three, four years, you know, actually, I think we've, uh, we've gone over that the last few, three, four years. Um, and, uh, and so this is just another person rejoicing with the angels in heaven in Luke 15. Yeah. One of the real tricky areas uh, for many Christians and churches at the moment is that growing divide between uh, society's view of sexual ethics and the Bible's teaching that we want to hold to. What advice do you have for Christians around commending the gospel in the trickiness of disagreeing about those sort of often divisive and emotional issues? Well, I guess there's there's a couple of things. I mean, on one hand, as I talk to people, this is not abstract. We're not talking about people out there. We're talking about people I know, people I care for, people I love. Um, and so I'm in the inner, <clears throat> I'm in the inner city of Sydney. Um, there are lots of people in our church, and and I'm particularly thinking about the people in our church for whom uh, the Christian people for whom same sex attraction is a real experience, for whom gender incongruence is a real experience, um, and so. Um, I want to take the pastoral posture to the individual who experiences same-sex attraction, the same pastoral posture that I take to anybody else, which is I am calling you to holiness. You know, I'm I'm calling you to follow Jesus um, and to be obedient to Jesus. Um, uh, I'm not seeing sexuality as the issue, and I'm not seeing you as a one-issue person. Sometimes when pastors ask me about this question, um, they say, what do I do? And I say, well, people are broader than this. <laughs> and and try and think how you would pastor the person if um, if if they weren't identifying as same-sex attracted um, and just apply the same principles. So, I mean, a pastor rang me the other day and um, what do I do? One of my guys has gone onto a website for gay men and uh he's he's looking for companionship well what would you do if, if he went onto a website to meet up with non-christian women you know and looking for liaisons or what would you do somebody's looking at gay porn well what would you do if they were looking at straight porn do you know and just think that's the same pastoral application. To, it's a call to holiness. We are not calling people to heterosexuality. We are calling people to holiness. You know? um, and it will be the case that all different people have all different temptations and struggles for godliness in all sorts of different areas. And your struggle for God, I mean, I, I don't know you very well, Jonathan, and I don't know what your particular struggles for godliness are um and you don't know what mine are but i have a different matrix of godliness struggles temptations what are my besetting sins what are the i mean there'll be some sins that i've struggled with um and then i've dealt with them and i kind of haven't really had a problem with them for years you know but then there are others that i just think why can't i get over this why why does this keep happening to me and why I know I shouldn't do this. 
and and you will have the same kind of issue, only a different set of sins. You know? And I've got to be patient with my friend who is struggling in a in a matrix of sin that I'm unfamiliar with. Um, uh, just as you need to be patri- patient with me as I struggle with my particular matrix of temptation. <laughs> and so how are some of the ways that, say, you know, practically that works out in in your church? What are the, some of the conversations that you find yourself having and how do you manage those? Well, I think the first thing is I would want to normalise um, that there might be people in the room who are struggling with same-sex attraction Um uh, or gender incongruence. And so um, uh, just to speak as if people are in the room. Uh, now, one of the things years ago, I don't, I, well, I think I'd been doing that before, before I read Tim Keller's piece on evangelistic worship, um, but the, Tim Keller wrote a really helpful article years and years ago on evangelistic worship, which essentially said, speak as if there are unbelievers present, you know, and I worked out, who do I want to reach? I want to reach these people in the inner west, in Annandale, that kind of thing. And if I behave as if there are unbelievers present every week, then people will feel like it is safe to um, invite their friends every week. And so every week when the person gets up to read the Bible, they say, hi, my name's Fiona. Do you know? Um, now, most all of us, we know it's Fiona, but it, but it just makes us think, I could be a guest. And so that's radically increased our percentage. I mean, little things like that have radically increased our percentage of guests. Now, I, I was part of a conference um, for um, Christians experiencing same-sex attraction. Um, uh, and the conference was held at our church on a Saturday. And, um, and we had an international speaker and... And um, people actually flew in from around Australia. And so half a dozen same-sex attracted people had flown in from around Australia. Christians, same-sex attracted people, had flown in from around Australia. They'd come to the conference, gone out to dinner that night. They weren't going back to home until Sunday afternoon evening. So we're going to church as a group. Where will we go to church? Well, let's go to Village Church because they hosted the conference yesterday. And so church starts there's a row of people who are same-sex attracted. Um, now, nobody else really knew who those people were. There was just a guest of six. I knew because I'd been talking to them at the conference yesterday, but nobody else did. That morning, one of our student ministers led in prayer and gave thanks to God for the ministry to Christians experiencing same-sex attraction and prayed a really good, compassionate, lovely prayer, but prayed as if it was for people out there not people in our midst. And he didn't pray. We pray for those of us who are experiencing same-sex attraction. Um, and he just prayed as if they didn't exist in our fellowship. Now, that creates an ethos that it's not safe to tell you that this is a an issue that I am wrestling with. And so... Um, I thought, I mean, his intention was right, his compassion was right, his doctrine was right. <laughs> but now, as I say that, I suspect, I mean, I, I suspect in your church, Jonathan, you, you probably you probably have the same kind of doctrine, same compassion, but just 
if we can pray as if people are there, do you know, um, then actually that creates an ethos that it's safe for me to tell you that this is my experience and that actually, yeah, I um I I have had an experience of um somebody um, creating an environment where it's safe for somebody to say, yeah, I I have been looking at um uh porn and it's this kind of porn or I, I have been um uh feeling these feelings that I don't know what quite to do with them. Whereas if you don't speak as if that could be the case, then nobody's going to be honest with you. Yeah. So I want us to continue. If you, your title is commending and uh, contending. contending. And so I, I do want us to contend, but I want us to show that thick compassion <laughs> on the other side. So I want both of those sides. Yeah. Is there a resource at the Gospel Coalition Australia website that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Well, I think the, um, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at, I'm looking at your website now and I'm noticing that the two top articles on your website are um, the Sandy Grant article, which is an, a thoughtful theological no case on the voice. And then the number two, um, the uh, yes case from Michael Jensen which is a thoughtful theological yes case on the voice. And what I think is um, impressive about what you've done on the Gospel Coalition site is what do I want to do as a church in this contentious space of this debate at the moment is I want to provide my people with theological leadership and yet I am aware that this is an issue that could divide my church and so I have found it very helpful um, to provide our church with a essay by a thoughtful, respected um, Christian leader um, who says, this is why I think you should um, vote yes, and to provide my uh, membership with an essay of the same theological calibre and same intellectual depth, which says, this is why I think you should say no. And then my people have reacted. I think, well, we haven't had a ripple. We haven't had a tension because people have thought, well, Dominic's played a straight bat. Um, he's treated us as adults. He's given us um, two thoughtful theological pieces. He's helped us to think theologically about about the thing. Um, uh and when you look at what's out there in the public domain, I mean, the the, the sheet of paper, the, the pamphlet that the government sent out with the yes case and the no case, it is pathetic, both cases, in terms of the actual argument. And you think, wow, I look at what my Christian leaders have said, whether it's Christian leader Michael Jensen or Christian leader Sandy Grant, and they have attempted to serve me at a much higher um, uh, calibre of debate. Um, and so I've appreciated their contributions, and I've appreciated the Gospel Coalition's um, contribution in making their arguments available more widely. Yeah. Yeah, thanks so much, Dominic. I reckon we'll uh, put links to both of those articles in the show notes so that people can uh, follow up uh, and have a look at those. Thanks so much for chatting with me today. Thanks very much. 
This podcast is made by the Gospel Coalition Australia and you can help us out. You can share this episode, maybe with friends or others at church in your Bible study group. And you can help us by going to our website and making a donation to grow the networks of Australian voices speaking the gospel to Australians. 